G'day and welcome to Is It Relevant Today? Right here on Faith FM. I'm Marius Jigao and on this show we're examining biblical concepts and ideas and asking ourselves the important question, is it relevant today? Or is it as outdated and ridiculous as blockbuster video stores? Today we'll be investigating the problem of evil and ask ourselves, why does evil exist if there is a loving God as the Bible describes? The famous philosopher Epicurus writes, If God is willing to prevent evil but not able, then he's not omnipotent. If he's able but not willing, then he's not malevolent. If he's both able and willing, then where does evil come from? If he's neither able nor willing, then why call him God? This is a very relevant question today, because as far as I've seen in my ministry, very few Christians can provide a satisfactory answer to this question. And the apparent absence of such an answer has led a countless number of people away from Christianity. So today we're going to explore it by looking at where evil began. In Revelation chapter 12, verses 7 and 9, it states, And war broke out in heaven. Now, let's just pause there for a second before we go on. I wonder what this war looked like. Was it a war with people in chainmail and swords? Or maybe, you know, they were in heaven. Maybe they had lightsabers and phasers. I mean, today we have nuclear weapons. We're capable of destroying entire cities in a moment. What kind of war happened in heaven? I looked a little bit into the meaning of the word that was translated as war, and it's the word polemos. From this word we get the word polemic today, which means a controversial argument or a discussion. So this war sounds like it was more a war of words. The word politics is also derived from the Greek word polemos. So this war that began in heaven was more a war about government. It was a war of words. Now, I'm not saying that there wasn't actually a physical component to it. There may very well have been. But the war that began in heaven was a war about the correct form of government. So in Revelation chapter 12, 7 to 9, it reads, And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought. But they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth and his angels were cast out with him. We find out that Satan was part of this war and he was cast out of heaven. So let's have a look at why he got cast out of heaven. Do we have any more insight into how this war began? Isaiah sheds a little bit more light on the character of Satan. If we look at chapter 14, verses 12 to 14, it reads, How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning! How you are cut down to the ground, you who weaken the nations! For you have said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of congregation on the furthest side of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Many people say that Lucifer had an eye problem. Right? It's all about me, me, me. I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne. I will be like the Most High. And here we get a little bit of an insight about the satanic government. Satan, well, he was called Lucifer at the time. The name Satan actually simply means adversary. Lucifer had a problem of pride. He was continually looking at himself and how good he thought he was. And his government is based on the idea of me, me, me. Essentially, it's based on selfishness. Now, if we contrast this way of thinking with the way that Jesus behaved, Paul states in Philippians that he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. Jesus, instead of saying, I will be like this, and I will exalt myself like this, and I will ascend, said, I will become a servant. I will descend to the earth and allow myself to die the most painful and humiliating death possible just so I may be able to help a few of them. So here we see a contrast 
in the governments that were warring in heaven. We see the satanic government based on selfishness. I will ascend to heaven. I will be like the Most High. And you see God's government where Jesus says, I will make myself a servant. I will go and wash their feet. I will go and give my life for them that maybe some of them may choose to be saved. But I wonder what led Lucifer to think this way. We'll find out just after this song. Is it relevant today? I'm Marius Jigao and today we're looking at the problem of evil. And we've so far discovered that the problem began in heaven. We've also discovered that the satanic government is based on selfishness, which is actually something we can clearly see being played out in the world today. What led Lucifer to think this way? What led Lucifer to become so selfish? If we look at Ezekiel chapter 28 verse 17, It reads, Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. We find out that Satan started focusing in on himself. You almost see him standing there looking in the mirror and thinking, Hmm, I look pretty good. So where was he in heaven that he was able to cause this war to start? Only a few verses earlier in the same chapter of Ezekiel, we are told that you were the anointed cherub who covers. I established you. You were on the mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of fiery stones. Here we discover that Satan held the highest angelic position. He was the anointed cherub who covers. Now, when the Israelites had come out of Egypt, God instructed them to build a sanctuary. And he instructed them to build this sanctuary as a reflection of the sanctuary in heaven. And the throne of God was represented in the sanctuary by the ark. The Bible tells us that there were two angels on the ark and that their wings extended and touched each other. Lucifer was one of these angels represented here before he was cast out of heaven. And again, we find out that he fell because his heart was lifted up because of his beauty. And that brings to question, well, hang on a minute. 
Didn't God create Lucifer? Did God create a defective angel? Is God responsible for what Satan did and the way he behaved? Well, let's have a look. We find out in Ezekiel 28.15 that it was said of him, You were perfect in all of your ways from the day that you were created until iniquity was found in you. The Bible claims that God created Lucifer perfect. And we are told he was this way until iniquity was found in him. He was perfect until sin was found in him. Now, we get another little bit of imagery when we look at Matthew chapter 13. There is a parable of the wheat and the tares. And there we have a farmer who was representing God sowing good seed in his field. But when the wheat, which represents the good in this world, came up, then the weeds or tares representing evil also came up. And the servants asked an interesting questions of their master. They said to him, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in the field? How then does it have tares? Essentially, we're asking the same question today. Why is there evil? I mean, you're a loving God. Didn't you plant good crop in your field? What's going on? You can almost hear a hint of accusation in their voice. How then does it have tears? And I like the way that the farmer responds. God says, an enemy has done this. You see, God doesn't take any responsibility for the existence of evil in the world. God says, an enemy has done this. This wasn't me. It was my enemy, my adversary. It was Satan. Now, if that's the case, then why did God create Lucifer capable of evil? Why create someone who has the capability of being evil? What I've found is that when seeking to answer questions like this, when seeking to answer questions that appear really difficult in the Bible, I've found that the answer quite often boils down to the idea of love. To look at this, we need to look at the options that God had when he was creating. Essentially, God had three options. When he was creating, the first option was quite simple. God didn't have to create. He could have not created anything. And the only love that would have existed would have been the love that was present within God himself and within the Godhead. But then there wouldn't have been any love with other creatures. Another option that he had was to create beings without the ability to choose. Beings that had to do exactly as they were told. But are beings without choice capable of love? Well, let's think this through for a bit. I can program my phone to tell me that it loves me. In fact, I can program it to say at 6.30 tonight, I love you, Marius. So tonight at 6.30, when my phone lights up and says, I love you, Marius, do you think that my heart gets filled with this gooey joy? Well, no. And why is that? I've just been told that I am loved. Why aren't I over the moon? It's because my phone has no capability of choice. It's incapable of love. It doesn't choose to say, I love you. It only does it because it's programmed to do it. Now, what if my wife gave me a call and I picked up the phone and she said, Marius, I love you. Would that be meaningful? Yes, of course it would be meaningful. And the reason it would be meaningful is because my wife has a choice. She has a choice to love me, and she has a choice not to love me, and she chooses to love me. For love to be able to exist, choice must be an option. Without choice, you cannot have love. The only way that you can have love is when one has the capability to choose. The third option that God had was to create a world where his creatures had free will. Now, when you give someone the ability to choose, then there's always a risk. There's the risk that this person will choose against you. God chose to create a world where genuine love was possible, and the only way he could do this was to create creatures capable of free will. So this brings us to the question, why create 
him. Why did God create Lucifer? We'll find out just after this song. Before the throne of God above, I have a strong and perfect plea. A great high priest whose name is love, whoever lives and pleads for me. My name is graven on his hands. My name is written on his heart. I know that while in him he stands, no tongue can bid me thence depart. When Satan tempts me to despair, Tells me of my guilt within Upward I look and see him there Who made an end of all my sin Because the sinless Savior died My sinful soul is counted free for God the just is satisfied To look on Him and pardon me Behold Him there, the risen Lamb My perfect spotless righteousness The great unchangeable King of glory and of grace One with himself I cannot die My soul is purchased by his blood My life is hid with Christ on high With Christ my Savior and my God hid with Christ on high, with Christ my Savior and my God. Welcome back to Is It Relevant Today, right here on Faith FM. You're listening to Marius Jigao and today we're looking at the origin of evil. We've so far discovered that evil originated with Satan in heaven. And now we've found out that the reason that God created creatures who were capable of rebelling against him was because he wanted to create a universe where genuine love was possible. And the only way to do that was to create creatures that had free will. But we're now asking, didn't God know that Lucifer would sin against him? And if so, why did he create Lucifer? Why not create Toby instead? You know, Toby, who God knew would never rebel against him? And instead of creating James, who he knew would rebel against him, create Harry, who he was certain would never rebel against him. Surely God would have been capable of doing this. Why didn't he do that? Now, this sounds like a reasonable question until you actually think it through. Again, the reason is love and because of free will. If it's removed... Even before it happens, it's not genuine free will. If God did this, we may have thought that we had free will, but free will wouldn't have actually existed. God would have created us only with the illusion of free will, and we may have thought that we had free choice, but we wouldn't have. In this case, it would have all been a facade. It wouldn't have been genuine. And no one would have known except God. But God is true to himself as well as to us. And God wanted beings that were capable of genuine love. And he knew of the rebellion before it happened. And he prepared a way out before the rebellion ever occurred. We find in 1 Peter chapter 1 verses 18 to 20, it says, For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver and gold that you were redeemed, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world. 
You see, God had prepared a remedy for this problem, even at an immense cost to himself, before this world was even formed. And we find this again in Revelation chapter 13, where Jesus is referred to as the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. God made provisions for the evil that he knew was coming. Then this brings us to the next question. Why didn't God destroy Lucifer at the first sign of his rebellion? As soon as God saw Lucifer was rebelling, why didn't he, let's say, click his fingers and turn him into a durian, the stinkiest of all the fruit? Why didn't God do this? Well, let's think about this for a second. What would have the other angels thought? If they saw God would destroy someone straight away when they said anything against him, what would happen is they would no longer be capable of love towards this God. They would then serve him out of fear. But not only this, it would have not eliminated the accusation against God's government. Imagine if someone came and said that they have concrete evidence that Joe Biden is stealing American children and shipping them to work in forced labor camps in Russia. He claims to have irrefutable evidence, and he will show it the next day at the White House. He invites all the media to come, and then he gets on the platform to show his proof. And as he does this, Biden pulls out a gun and shoots him dead. Would this remove the accusation? Do you think the people would then say, oh, Biden must then be innocent? Of course not. He would now be a murderer and everyone would be even more suspicious of him. In the same way, if God would have killed Satan at the first sign of rebellion, it wouldn't have solved the problem. So God chose to allow sin to mature. But how did this evil come down to the earth? We found out that the rebellion started in heaven. But we're also told that this rebellion spilled out and came here to this earth. We find a hint of this in the book of Genesis. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 16 and 17, it says, And God commanded man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. I sometimes tell my son Daniel, Don't do this. And I notice that quite often when I tell him not to do something, he wants to do it even more. What was God doing here? Why did God put that tree in the garden in the first place? I found it quite often much easier with my son Daniel instead of telling him not to do something just to remove the temptation altogether. Why didn't God remove the temptation altogether? Again, it comes down to the issue of love. God put Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Eden means pleasure. The Garden of Eden was essentially the Garden of Pleasure. God made this amazing garden for their pleasure. He made these amazing animals. He made everything perfect for them. And what essentially God said to them was, I've created all of this for you. I want you to be immensely happy. I don't even want you to know that there is such a thing as evil. I want you to serve me because in serving me and living under my government of selflessness, then you will be truly happy. But I'm not going to force you. I'm going to give you a choice. If you don't want to be part of my government, you can make that choice at this tree. If the tree hadn't been there, then this choice wouldn't have existed. So the reason the tree was there is to make genuine love possible. But how did things on earth get this bad? Wasn't our only mistake here on earth that we ate some piece of fruit? We'll look into this question just after this song. Give 
Is it relevant today? You're listening to Marius Jigao and today we've been looking at the origin of evil. We've so far discovered that God wanted to create a universe in which genuine love was possible and the only way to do this was to create creatures capable of free will. We also discovered that in the Garden of Eden God placed the tree of the knowledge of good and evil to allow humans to have a choice. They weren't forced to follow God but they had free will to do what they wanted. And now we're asking ourselves, how did things get this bad? Did all this arise from simply eating a piece of fruit? Let's read in Genesis chapter 3 verses 1 to 5, where this event is described. It reads, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. And the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. God knows that in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Satan said three things to Eve here. And each one of these three things contains an obvious lie, but it also contains another subtle lie about the character of God. So let's have a look at this. The first thing that Satan said was, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree in the garden? Now, what God actually had said was, You may eat from all the trees in the garden, but of this tree you cannot eat. Now, I don't know about you, I imagine there to have been thousands and thousands of trees in the garden. And essentially what God was saying is, you can eat from this one, and this one, and that one, and this one, and this one, and all those behind the lake there, and these over the hill there, you can eat from all of these trees, just this little one tree here, don't eat from this one. But the way that Satan is putting it, he's shedding a very different light on it. It's like he has tunnel vision. He's looking at the one tree they're not meant to eat from and saying, you can't eat from every tree in the garden. Now, underneath this was the subtle lie that God is restrictive. God wants to control you. He doesn't want you to have all these good things. The next thing that Satan said is, you will not surely die. Imagine that I said, come over to my house and I'm going to give you some soup. But my wife said, 
No, no, no. Don't listen to Marius. He won't give you any soup. What would she be saying about me? Essentially, what she'd be saying is that I'm lying. This is essentially what Satan was saying about God. God said, when you eat of this fruit, you will die. Satan said, you're not going to die. You can't trust God. The subtle lie behind this is that God is a liar. The last thing that the serpent said was, For God knows that in the day that you eat, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Here, he's telling Eve that when they eat of the fruit, they will become like gods. But the subtle lie about the character of God, underneath this lie that they will become like gods, is that God is only looking out for himself. God's only interested in his well-being. So essentially the subtle lies that Satan implanted into Eve's brain is that God is restrictive. God is a liar and God only cares about himself. And after listening to this, she took of the fruit. This fruit is usually thought to be an apple. The reason for this, I believe, is because in Latin, the word for apple is the same word as the word for evil, which is the word malum. So I believe that's why it's usually depicted as an apple. We don't know what fruit it was. My wife says it was a mango because she hates mangoes, something I cannot for the life of me understand. But whatever the fruit was, Eve took it and ate. And by eating this fruit, she wasn't simply just eating a piece of fruit. She was in essence with her action saying, you know what? I believe that God is restrictive. I believe that God is a liar. I believe that God is only looking out for himself and I am going to do something about it. I'm going to look after myself. Here, she's starting to enter the satanic way of thinking. In God's government, we look after each other. We esteem others above ourselves. But in the satanic government, everyone looks out for themselves first. It's a government based on selfishness. And through her action, she was aligning herself with Satan and his government. And when she did this, she brought the apple or the fruit to Adam. Now, a lot of people are here say, ah, if the woman hadn't eaten the fruit, we wouldn't be here. But the woman was deceived. Adam, on the other hand, knew what he was doing. But you see, Adam was still thinking according to God's government, well, sort of. He was putting others first, not properly, he should have been putting God first. And when he saw that she had sinned, he was looking and thinking about her. I think he didn't want to be separated from her. So he ate. And straight away, a number of things changed. And we'll find out what they are just after this song. Struggling with sin 
Welcome back to Is It Relevant Today, right here on Faith FM. You're listening to Marius Jigel, and today we've been looking at the origin of evil, and we've discovered that God wanted to create a universe in which genuine love was possible, and the only way to do this was to create creatures capable of free will. We also discovered that when Eve ate from the tree, she was not just eating a piece of fruit, but she was behaving in accordance with the satanic government, which was to put myself first. She had bought into the lie that God is restrictive, that God is a liar, and God is only looking out for himself, and she no longer trusted that God would look after her. What happened next is completely different from the selfless behavior beforehand. We find that God comes into the garden and said to him, Where are you? Now, had God suddenly got Alzheimer's or stopped being omniscient? Didn't he know where they were? No, of course, God knew exactly where they were. God wasn't saying this because he didn't know the answer, but he wanted them to realize what they were doing. They were hiding from God as they had never done before. And then Adam continues by saying, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid. Straight away, fear enters the world. Adam and Eve had never known fear before, but now he was afraid. And he says, because I was naked, I hid myself. And God said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree which I commanded you that you should not eat? Now here we see the results of sin. He says, the woman whom you gave me, she gave to me and I ate. Adam was like, oh, here comes the bus, sorry Eve, and pushes her right in front of it, right? Before, he was willing to give up his life for her, but now, his way of thinking, the way of thinking in the satanic government, which was, I need to look after myself, he now blames Eve. But not only that, he says, the woman whom you gave me. So God, this isn't just Eve's fault, It's also your fault. You gave me this woman. Essentially, what Adam is doing here is similar to what people who are blaming God for the existence of evil in the world today. Essentially, what they're saying is, "Uh, God, you knew this. Why did you allow evil to exist? Back then, instead of admitting his fault, Adam blamed God. And today, each one of us to a greater or lesser extent, has played part in the evil that exists in the world today. Eve responded by saying, The serpent. Now, it wasn't my fault, it was the serpent. Now, it wasn't quite as bad as Adam. She didn't blame God afterwards. She may have implied it when she said that the serpent deceived me. So again, it wasn't me, it was someone else. The Bible tells us in Galatians 7 verse 8, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked, for you reap whatever you sow. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. Every one of us has part of the responsibility for the evil that we see. And at the end of the day, we're not going to be able to excuse away our sin. We're not going to be able to say, "Uh, yes, Lord, well, this thing happened in my life because of my wife. 
No, we will reap what we will sow, just as Adam and Eve reaped what they sowed. The good news, though, is that God didn't just leave them there. We find in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, what is sometimes referred to as the Proto-Evangelium, which means the first gospel here. Here we are told that I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Here, God has made a provision for Adam and Eve. Firstly, he has given them the ability to resist evil. He has told them that I will put enmity between him and you. And he has promised salvation. That eventually the serpent will be crushed. So why does evil exist in our world today? Well, evil exists in our world today because of free will. We are told that while there is evil in the world today, it will not continue indefinitely. We're told in Revelation chapter 1, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. You see, the evil that we're seeing around us so abundantly today will not last forever. God has allowed it for a time so that the universe can see the extent of evil that results from going against God's government. But soon he will remove it. We will then know the consequences of rebelling against God's government. And throughout the eternal ages, no one will ever rebel against God again. Imagine it. 176 million years from now, someone will get it in their mind to rebel against God. And God will be like, whoa, 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 hang on a minute. Have a look at this DVD. It goes for about 6,000 years, right? Have a look and see what the result of rebellion is. And then we would say, no way. No way are we ever going back there. We will live in a universe where free will and genuine love will be possible and rebellion will never occur again. So I want to invite you today, is this part of a world that you want to be in? Do you want to join me and say today, Lord, I want to give my heart to you. I look forward to your return when you will remove evil from this world. If so, if this is your decision, why don't you say that to God as we close in a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, that you love us. We thank you, Lord, for giving us free will. Lord, we look forward to the day when you will come again and when evil will be no more. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. We thank you for listening today and don't forget to visit our YouTube channel called Is It Relevant Today? where we have videos on many topics, including this one we've just been discussing called Why Does Evil Exist? But for now, thanks for listening. God bless and I hope you have a magnificent day.
I can see when I lose my step and I fall down again. I can see cause you pick me up. See cause you're there. I can see cause you hear me alone when I call to you in prayer. I can see with my last breath. See for I know that I see with the angels and the saints around the world. Can I keep from singing your
You've been listening to Is It Relevant Today? If you have any questions or comments, please leave them on our Facebook page, Is It Relevant Today? But for now, thanks for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next week. I love to tell the story Twill be my theme in glory To tell the old, old story Of Jesus and His love